0: Psalm 46. A couple of weeks ago, we were here, and we were looking at uh, the subject matter of stillness. Uh, the, the desire sometimes for us to hear from the Lord, but we go, 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 and sometimes it's hard to hear the Lord through all the mess, if you would. All the chaos that is going on. And we live in a very fast-paced, and we live in a very loud world, and society continues to move forward. And uh, we're seeing things get worse and worse. We understand that. Everything's falling into place as it should. It was A.W. Tozer who said, God is known in the turmoil of the world if his providence has for the time placed us there, but he has known best in silence. And as you think about that in your own life, I wonder if you've taken some time this week, if you've taken some time over the last uh, little while just to to remain silent and let God work. There's a song that was written some years ago and the, the the entire message in song is stand still and let God move. And uh, we're, we're, we struggle with that at times. We struggle because we, we like to find the solution. I'm a solutionist. If you bring a problem to me, I'm going to try to find the solution. And there have been many times where I thought I had the solution only to realize that the solution was not that solution. And uh, we try to do that. We try to figure out all of the, the ways in which we can make things work. But there are some times when the Lord says, you aren't meant to figure this one out. Just be still. And I wonder this morning if that's you. You're, you're, you're struggling. You're going through something. And I can't get past this passage of Scripture. I can't get past this psalm for some reason. Uh, there, are, there are times whenever as a preacher you will, will preach from a passage of Scripture. And the Lord will redirect you back to that. And you're arguing with God. This is typically how the Lord will work in our lives at times. And this is the argument. This is how it goes. Uh, The Holy Spirit begins to, to lead you back to, for instance, Psalm 46. The argument goes like this. Lord, I just preached out of Psalm 46. Go back there. Yeah, but I don't know that the people want to hear Psalm 46. We just were in Psalm 46. It doesn't matter what the people want. This is what they need. Well, Lord, I think they would really like this. And the Lord begins to to humble you time and time again. And so the Lord won the battle. We're in Psalm 46 this morning. Verse number one, the Bible says God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. As you begin to walk through Psalm 46, you come to that word right there and you realize the Bible says very present help in trouble. And it starts off and it continues to move in the direction of these storms and these floods and these earthquakes that are taking place. In verse number four, it starts off and says, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the most high. And it closes in verse number seven. As you walk through, you begin to realize that he says the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You walk through all the way to verse number 11. And another reminder, as it says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Say Psalm 46 for many of you has been a psalm you go to often. And this morning, as you go to this psalm for just a little while, I want to point out the promise that is made right in verse number one. The Bible says God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble This morning, there are broken hearts all before us. There are broken hearts. as You walk out the doors of Gateway Baptist Church as you go to to your homes, as you go to neighbors, as you go to your workplace, as you go into the grocery store. You see people with broken hearts. As a matter of fact, the Word of God deals with that concerning the broken hearts and those that you are communing with, those that you are dealing with, those that you are having conversations with as you're trying to reach them. This morning in our Sunday school hour, as we reminded ourselves through Scripture of our personal relationship with the Lord, one of the great reminders of the Christian life is that we're constantly emptying ourselves, or we ought to be constantly emptying ourselves for the Lord to fill us and then us to empty ourselves again. And that is the the Christian life, a constant reminder that the Lord is going to fill us up. And as you live your life out of the overflow, then you're constantly emptying yourself. And God is filling you up and then you're emptying yourself and God is filling you up and then you're emptying yourself. Sometimes you're emptying yourself in the matter of service. You're serving the Lord. You're emptying yourself and saying, Lord, I'm at your disposal. Lord, you use me in this regard. Sometimes you are being used in the the format of being an encouragement, someone who is edifying someone. And so the Lord is filling you up and you are being emptied once again. Sometimes it's very simply just in a matter of worship as the Lord is dealing with you and he's filling you up and then all of a sudden you empty yourself once again at the feet of Jesus. You say, Lord, I'm just an empty vessel, use me. You begin to think about the Christian life and the many attributes of the Christian life or those that should be attributes of the Christian life. The seasons in the Christian life, the struggles of the Christian life, the joys of the Christian life, there, there's so much that we can emphasize this morning. But as you come to Psalm 46, verse number 1, notice with me three things that you see in this one verse this morning. I want you to notice, number one, the person of this promise, the person of this promise. Notice how it starts off. It says God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It starts off and it reminds us that it is the Lord. You see, this morning, if you have been going through life and you've been struggling or you've been discouraged or maybe you've walked through the doors this morning and you're wondering, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to adjust to this? How am I going to make this decision? Have you taken it to God? God. You see, that's where everything starts. That's where the decisions of life, if you're going to live the Christian life, that's where it starts, is where God does a deep work in your life. That's when it begins to take preeminence in your life, when you yield yourself to God. That is whenever you look back in your life and you say, How am I here? I was back there. It's God that did the work. You see, everything starts with the Lord within our lives. There ought to start with God. And this passage of Scripture says, God is our refuge. It doesn't say, your friend is your refuge. It doesn't say, that your family is your refuge. It doesn't say, that you are your refuge. It says, God is your refuge. And your strength. And I love this verse right here because of the very end. Notice these words, a very present help in trouble. A very present help in trouble. You see, where Jesus is, it is a constant reminder through Scripture that joy is there. Where Jesus is, help is there. Where Jesus is, truth is there. Love is there. Peace is there. Excitement is there. Hope is there. We could go on and on. Where Jesus is, is where everything that you need within your life. Because He is all that we need. You see, it all starts with the Lord. As you begin to go through the 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 struggles of life, or the joys of life, the mountaintop experiences, the valleys, whatever the case might be, as you find yourself every single day starting your day off with God, you say, Lord, I yield myself, I yield my wills, I yield my desires. Lord, I want to do and be and go where you would have for me to go and be and do. And at that moment, you're reminding yourself that everything starts with the Lord. I believe the psalmist in Psalm 119 and later on again in Psalm 139 as you look and you study the scriptures in Psalm 119 as the psalmist goes on to say I am thy servant. What he is saying in that in that passage of scripture as he is coming to the realization that he is nothing other than the Lord's servant. He is nothing. Lord, I'm thy servant. And Lord, whatever it is you have for me, Lord, that is exactly what I want for my life. And so all of a sudden, in the making of that statement, I am my servant. All of a sudden, the Lord becomes more important than anything else. Lord, I am my servant. It's not about me. It's not about others. Lord, I am thy servant. And he's making it personal. And those moments of saying, I am thy servant, God's will becomes more important. God's word becomes more important. The work of God becomes more important. The service of God becomes more important. The house of God becomes more important. The ways of God become more important. Why? Because the priority and the preeminence is now given to God Almighty. You see, the struggles of life, the problems of life, the trials of life are not greater than your God. But far too often in our lives, that's exactly how we live. We live our days in in such a way where sometimes we look at our problems, we look at our struggles, we look at the valleys, and we say, there's no way I'm going to make it to the other side. The Holy Spirit all along is saying, haven't you made it to the other side many, many times? And how did you make it to the other side? God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Do you go to Psalm 46, verse number 1? There's so much that is taking place in these moments right here as you recognize this statement again, a very present help in trouble, and you walk through. And you begin to realize that the the greatest tool sometimes within the Christian life, when these types of things or struggles happen or trials happen or problems happen, is just remain still. You see, every single one of us right this very moment is in a season. Some of you are in a season of decisions. And you're trying to navigate through those decisions and make those decisions and without even addressing those decisions to the Lord or bringing those decisions to the Lord. And all the while the Lord is saying, if you would just remain still, you don't have to keep making all of these decisions that are going to get you through the right decision. Just make one decision. Lord, I'm giving it to you. I'm resting in you. So Lord, you lead me. Some of you are in a season right this very moment where you're not necessarily making decisions. Maybe you are on the mountaintop and you're rejoicing in some things and you're, you're thinking about all that God has done in your life. It would do us good when we're on the mountaintop to remain still and just reflect on how good God's been to us. I love, you know, brother Zach and I were talking just the other day about some of the songs that. You know, that through the, the through the times have really impacted our lives. And in my life, I'm thinking of a couple right this very moment. As I was driving home just the other day, I was listening to the song. I have been blessed. Wow. Isn't it amazing how the Lord sometimes uses the the, the words that are in some of these songs just to really drill us right to the heart and say, hey, you have been blessed. Have you forgotten about it? And I was sitting there thinking and there's a portion of the song. It comes in and begins to talk about the pastor. And I was humbled in that moment because I get to serve with these young people. It says our pastor to lead us. And I was humbled at the moment that that lyric started because this right here is a joy of mine to be able to pastor Gateway Baptist Church. But it's a privilege. It's an opportunity. And as I began to think about each of those lines, a mother and father, a brother and sister, all of the many things that began to be addressed in that song, I began to be overwhelmed with the opportunity and understanding that, God, I need you in all of these things. You see, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I began to think about the song, God's Been Good. I love that song. I know it's been sung many, many times, but I love that song because it's a, a reminder. You know, sometimes we forget just how good God has been. You go through the Psalms and you look at Psalm 107, and I wonder if that was the attention that He was trying to. He was pointing out, "Oh, that men would praise the Lord." Why? Because sometimes we just forget to we go weeks and months and years without even once praising the Lord because we're so consumed with everything else within this world. we got the priorities misplaced. We've got problems being emphasized. We've got trials that we're dwelling on. All the while, God is saying, you're looking at all of those things, but when was the last time you looked at me? When was the last time you just thought of all that I have done and all that I am? Have you come to me and understood that it all starts with God. God is our refuge. As a matter of fact, Deuteronomy thirty two, verse number four says, He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he that's your God. First John four A. He that loveth not knoweth God, for God is love, that's your God. Exodus three fourteen, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. In Psalm 78, I love Psalm 78. There's so much in Psalm 78. The Bible tells us that as they're provoking God, they kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Well, what are those things? This God that we're speaking of. What things did he? What marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan? He divided the sea, he caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as a heap in the daytime. Also, he led them with a cloud all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused the waters to run down like rivers. But in verse number 19, yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? The great struggle of the Christian life oftentimes is in the midst of our lives and the seasons in which we're living, we ask that question. Lord, you've been faithful before, but can you still be faithful? Lord, can you still do it? It was Leonard Ravenhill who said, no man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor is not playing, praying, then he is playing. The people who are not praying, they are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players, but many or very few prayers. Many singers, but few clingers, lots of pastors, few wrestlers, many fears, but few tears, much fashion, but little passion, many interferers, but few intercessors, many riders, but few fighters failing here. We fail everywhere because great is prayer. The great miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy, then put him back into that unholy world and keep him holy in it. My goal is God himself, not joy, not peace, not even blessing, but simply himself, my God. You see, oftentimes we ask ourselves the question, what is the goal? God is the goal. It's always the goal. We say, well, what is the goal? Well, I want to be a happy Christian. Well, God is the goal. Uh, What do you want to be? Well, I want to experience peace. Well, how are you going to experience peace? God is the goal. I want to experience direction and provision and guidance. I want to experience all of these things. Well, how are you going to do that? God. You see, in this passage of Scripture, the emphasis is not made on any other thing that is going to be emphasized in verse number two on down. It all starts with the very first word of Psalm 46, God. The psalmist here is going to relay all of the information of all of the bad things that are going to take place. As a matter of fact, notice what he says in verse number 2. Therefore will not we fear. Why? Because it started with God. Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. Well, where did it all start? It started with God. In these verses that you see in verse number two on down to verse number three, there are some things that are not pleasant things that are taking place. But the very first words that start verse number two are these. Therefore, will not we fear? Why? Because he recognized at the very beginning that God was still there, that God was still present, that God was still faithful that God was still the refuge, that God was still the strength. And so you see the promise, and you see that promise, but you see the person of that promise, it is God this morning. Can I encourage you? In the midst of whatever you're facing, in the midst of whatever you're going through, in the mountaintop experiences, in the valley experiences, wherever you're at, whatever season of life you're in, God ought to be the goal. Have you gone to the Lord lately? Number two, not only do you see the person of the promise, but you see the protection of the promise. In verse number two, he says, Therefore will not we fear. Well, why is he not fearing? Because of these words. Notice what he says right here. God is our refuge. God is our refuge. That word refuge speaks of protection. It speaks of it. Psalm 511 says, let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were walking through scripture and we're reminding ourselves as you walk through scripture, there are so many things that we put our confidence in. And all of those things will eventually fail us, except God Almighty. You put your confidence in self. Well, Psalm 44, verse six says, for I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. Why? Because yourself will fail you. you ah, oh, I know my heart. That's the issue. Your heart is deceitful. Your heart is talking to believing that you know your heart. Don't put your trust in money. The Bible says in Job 31, if I made gold, my hope or have said to the fine gold, thou art my confidence. This also were an iniquity to be punished by the judge, for I should have denied the God that is above. Not putting your trust in people. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man, not in government It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. In your own plans, in your own problems that you begin to realize, you're putting your confidence in those plans that you're going to get through. And the Bible says in James 4, For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him it is sin. In Proverbs 14, verse 12, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You see, all of those things we're putting our confidence in. Except the psalmist says right here, God is our refuge. As you illustrate or you walk through Scripture, it's as though the psalmist here, and just imagine with me for just a moment, the psalmist is speaking to a friend. The friend walks up to him and says, hey, man, I, I know you got a lot going on, and how are you, you going to get through this? And he starts off, he says, God is our refuge. Y- y- yeah, I, I, I get that, but how are you going to get through? God is our refuge. Okay, I know. I, I know. We, we understand that's found in Scripture. We understand all of that. But man, how are you going to get through? How are you going to? How are you going to defeat this mountain that's standing in front of you? How, I mean, how, how are you going to get through this? How are you going to pass through this? How are you going to defeat this trial? How are you going to get past this problem? How are you going to? He just looks at him and says, "God is our refuge." He's resting in the simple truth that God's going to protect me. God's going to care for me. God's going to take care of me. I don't have to put my confidence in. It's as though the friend might say, well, well, we've got you. And he looks at his friend and he says, I appreciate that, but God's my refuge. Well, okay, man, if you need money, if you need this, we've got this, or this can help, or have you considered reaching out to this person? He just looks and says, listen, God's my refuge. Not only is God my refuge, he's a strength, and he's a very present help in trouble. Notice with me number three, the power of the promise. You find, again, therefore will not we fear. Well, why? Because he says in verse number one, God is our refuge and strength. You see, in Colossians one, we find in verse number 16 that the Bible reminds us just how powerful our God is. As it says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. In Psalm 28, verse number seven, the Bible says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth and with my song, I will praise him. You see, as you recognize in verse number two, as he says, therefore, will not we fear? What did happen? In verse number one, he says, God is our refuge in strength. He then goes on and says a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we Fear. What do you mean? What are you not going to fear? And he goes on and he begins to list all these things. We are not going to fear the earth being removed or the mountains being carried into the midst of the sea or the waters roaring or the mountains shaking with the swelling thereof. He's not going to fear all of that. Why? Because God is his refuge and his strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Well, what was going on? He was acknowledging. He was acknowledging the sovereignty of God. He was acknowledging the power of God. He was acknowledging the presence of God in all of these things. You see, in times of, of sorrow, could I encourage you, be still. In times of waiting, be still. In times of pain, be still. In times of questioning, be still. In times of confusion, be still. In times of stress, be still. In times of uncertainty, be still. In times of the mountaintop experiences, be still. In times of all matters of life, just take time to be still. You see, when you're still in the midst of the valley and all that you're going through, it's in those moments where God reminds you that He can carry you all the way through. When you're still on the mountaintops, it's in those moments where God on the mountaintop is reminding you that He's the one that brought you up there. You did nothing except recognize and acknowledge that He truly is God. You see, in the Christian life, we must pray more. and We understand that as He is going to the Lord and saying, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear? Leonard Ravenhill recognizing in his own life that prayer had to be something that he bought into. A.W. Tozer buying into prayer. Andrew Murray buying into prayer. We go on and on listing all of the many people that we read books of. We can go on and look in in Scripture and see that John bought into prayer. That Daniel bought into prayer. That Nehemiah bought into prayer. That each of these individuals. Joseph bought into prayer. Why? Because it's in those moments of praying often that all of a sudden you start praying differently. It's in those moments when you're praying often where you're praying daily or where you're praying continually, obediently, humbly, scripturally, specifically, fervently, gratefully. All of those moments of your life, as you go to the Lord in prayer, all of a sudden it begins to change your life. It's an amazing thing within the Christian life concerning prayer, because sometimes we as Christians treat prayers if it's not action. But in the Christian life, it's one of the greatest actions you can ever take. You see... In our lives, we look at prayer and we say, well, I visibly cannot see what is going to take place. Well, if you've taken it to the one who can make all things work together for your good, then you've taken it to the right place. As you think about prayer and you think about all of what is going on, I want you to finally notice the very last words of verse number one, the period of the promise. He says this, a very present help. Some of you, right this very moment, you're hurting You're struggling. Uh, Some of you right this very moment are rejoicing. Some of you right this very moment are praying. Some of you right this very moment are trying to search some things out or you're looking for direction or you're looking for provision or whatever the case might be. Can I remind you that right this very moment, God Almighty is very present to Josh Farmer. He's very present to Jared Hodges. He's very present to Ethan. He's very present to Jacob. He's very present to Kelly. He's very present to Chris Hodges. He's very present to to Brother Bill Doyle. And I can go on and on. Why? Because that's just how good our God is. He's very present. Some of you, right at this very moment, my prayer is that we would all grasp this one true understanding that it starts with God. God makes no mistakes. He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Would you remain still? Would you just rest in him? Would you just give it to God? And one of the struggles of life is trying to find the solutions, trying to be the fix to the problem. Sometimes we have to wrestle and recognize that we can't fix it. But Almighty God can. Let His will be done. I close with this this morning. While talking the other day, I can't remember who I was talking to. Prayer is one of the great struggles for each of us because it takes work. And many times in our own lives, we will pray a prayer and then we will say amen as we're praying that prayer and as we conclude the prayer with amen, we are saying amen in such a way where we are concluding and saying that's all. But the word amen speaks of an agreement. And so as you go to the Lord in prayer and you begin to pray about things, you begin to seek out God's will, you begin to seek out God's direction, you begin to seek out whatever it is that you're coming to the Lord for or you're coming to the Lord about, As you conclude the words and you say in that prayer, amen. If you cannot truly within your heart and within your authenticity of living the Christian life out, say amen in such a way where you're saying amen. And Lord, I agree. I've offered the prayer, but amen. Whatever you decide to do, amen and amen. You see, amen speaks of agreement. And so as you're concluding your prayers, if you cannot agree with the simple truth that God's will needs to be done, not your will needs to be done, then you're saying amen, but you're not saying it with the right intention. You're saying it with a misunderstanding that you're concluding a prayer, but you're not agreeing with God that, Lord, your will be done. Lord, I desire that you would do this. but Nevertheless, thy will be done. Amen. As you come to a close of your prayer life, as you say amen, you are saying to the Lord, Lord, I agree. Lord, my will is this, but Lord, if it's not your will. Nevertheless, amen. Would you remain still this morning? Would you let the Lord bring you along and remind you that he's never failed you and he's not going to start now? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble.